Welcome to the Valley Brook Community Church Podcast, and thank you for joining us online today. You're about to hear a sermon from our Countercultural Sermon Series. Countercultural is a study of the Beatitudes and explores our call to be different. We hope you find this podcast meaningful. We'd love to hear how God is touching people's lives. Just go to our website at www.valleybrook.cc, select Contact Us, and send us an email. We're in the middle of this series called Countercultural. It's a study of the Beatitudes. And this morning we're going to look at uh, the Beatitude from Matthew 5.8 that says this, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. I know we all want to see God. And Jesus says, you've got to be pure in heart to see God. So what does it look like to be pure in heart? How do we get one? I want to share a story with you that Haddon Robinson shared. He's the preacher professor of preaching at Gordon-Conwell Theological Seminary. He shares this very humble story about himself, and in it, I see a man who is pure in heart. He said, years ago, my wife Bonnie and I went through what was, for us, the most difficult experience of our lives. We were sued by a young woman whom we had tried to help. On several occasions, Bonnie had gone over to clean her house, and we had had her over for dinner on numerous times. When we got that lawsuit, it just felt like we had tried to wash somebody's feet, and now we were kicked in the mouth. She blamed us for things for which we weren't responsible, and I saw how the legal system worked. They were constructing a case that I didn't believe was there. So, Bonnie and I would spend time walking together and praying and committing this situation to the Lord. And in fact, he writes, you know, every time we drive down that road today, Bonnie will say, remember when we would walk and pray down this road. He writes about that time. He says, you know, I I wish... I wish I could tell you that my heart was pure and noble, but at that time, I would have been happy if, she, if that woman had been hit by a truck. He said, but I recognize that love doesn't think like that. And so he writes, as Bonnie and I would go and walk and pray, I'd talk to the Lord about it every day. He said, but there came a time when I could no longer talk about it with the Lord. And so this is what I would say. I would say, Lord, you know what's on my heart. You know the details. You do it. You do it. And then he says, I I would pray, Lord, you know that I think she's done us wrong. But I may be wrong. If vengeance is necessary, Lord, you do it. And he writes, again, I found myself thinking, I serve a God who has forgiven all of my sins, and they are many. And on the basis of that, maybe I can begin to forgive this woman. Haddon writes, I tell that story not because I'm an expert about how to show forgiveness, but I do know that when in the power of the Spirit and the love of God, you let God work in your heart. He can purify it and do something amazing. Now, that to me is is an amazing, humble story about how God worked through this man's life, this man and this woman's life to bring them to a place where they 
we're pure in heart. This morning, I want us to look at what it means to be pure in heart because I think we all want to be pure in heart because remember what Jesus said at the end of, of that beatitude, blessed are the pure in heart for they will see God. We all want to see God. So what does it mean to be pure in heart? Well, let's start maybe with the obvious. Jesus said, blessed are the pure in heart. So in heart tells us that it's about inward moral purity. Inward moral purity. Uh, The great theologian John Stott makes a distinction between inner moral purity and outer moral purity. He writes uh, that the pure in heart is the quality of those who have been cleansed from moral as opposed to ceremonial defilement. In other words, moral in the inside, ceremonial on the outside. He said there's a good biblical precedent for this, especially in the Psalms. It was recognized that no one could come into the Lord's presence. No one could ascend to the Lord's holy place unless that person, as Scripture says, has clean hands and a pure heart. David, King David, recognized this. He had a conscious desire to be true to God in his inward being. He writes, teach me wisdom in my secret heart. And in another psalm, he writes, create in me a clean heart. Now, Jesus took up this theme too. And we see this lived out in a very big controversy that he has with the Pharisees. Uh, The the Pharisees complained uh, oftentimes about the way Jesus and his disciples lived, and so Jesus took them up on their obsession with external ceremonial purity. And this is what he said. He said, you Pharisees, you clean the outside of the cup and of the dish, but inside It's full of extortion and wickedness. He's talking about lives, although he's using this metaphor of cups and dishes. And then he goes on. He says, you're like whitewashed tombs. You're all beautiful on the outside, but on the inside, you're full of dead bodies. Jesus was taking them to account. God understands the human heart God understands that we struggle with sin and this is not anything new in fact not long after God uh, uh, began to speak to Moses and gave the law to them he basically spelled out what the issue was with them we read in the book of Deuteronomy God gives these words to Moses and God says circumcise your hearts therefore and do not be stiff-necked any longer so what's this strange phrase about circumcising your hearts in other words it's talking about cutting back your selfishness your self-centeredness so you can be obedient to God stop being stubborn stiff-necked is what he used stop being stubborn about doing what you want to do when you want to do it how you want to do it he's saying You need to be faithful and obedient. Inner moral purity comes out of a faithful relationship with God, following his instructions and his commands. The Apostle Paul picked this up in his letters to the early churches. He writes in the letter to 2 Timothy, he says, 
flee the evil desires of youth and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace along with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. He's saying, listen, get rid of those evil, selfish desires. He says of youth, but it could be of any age. And look what he says. He says, pursue these things, and it's so much more than the evil desires. He says, fill yourself, pursue this to fill yourself with righteousness, faith, love, and peace, and a pure heart. When you read that verse, I want you to see that what we are to pursue is far more numerous than what we have to leave behind. God has more for us. He wants our hearts to be filled with all these pure things. So let me ask you, what are you pursuing? What are you pursuing from your heart? God's calling us to a higher level. He's calling us to pursue the things of God. So with that in mind, that takes us to this idea of being pure in heart. Uh, Not only is being concerned about inner moral purity, it's about being single-minded in our devotion. Single-minded in our devotion. You know, when we're double-minded, we're call, it's called duplicitous. We're, you know, we're used to duplicity in our culture. We see it in politics all the time. Politicians say, I'm going to do this for you, and they never do it, and in fact, they do something else. I mean, quite honestly, we're sort of, we're sort of accustomed to that, and so sometimes duplicity doesn't catch us off guard. But as followers of Jesus Christ, duplicity needs to catch us off guard because we don't want to be duplicitous. When we're duplicitous, when we say do this and don't do that, but then we go and do it, people will say, well, you're hypocritical. You're a hypocrite. That's right. That's being duplicitous. It's saying you're going to do one thing and then doing something completely. One scholar has written about this idea of being single-minded this way. He defines the pure in heart as single-minded who are free from the tyranny of a divided self. In other words, trying to to be double-minded. And this writer says, the primary reference to the sincerity of heart comes out of the Psalms. Psalm 24, the person with with clean hands, the person with a pure heart who does not lift up his soul to another idol, who does not swear deceitfully, That is the kind of person God calls us to be in a relationship with him. Someone who has a pure heart is in an utterly sincere relationship with God. Their whole life, both their public and their private, is transparent before God and before all people. Their very heart, including their thoughts and their motives, is pure. It's unmixed with anything devious or ulterior or base. Remember, hypocrisy and deceit are abhorrent to God and to people who are pure in heart. He goes on and he says this, we're tempted to wear a different mask and play a different role according to each situation that we're into. We're tempted to do that. But this is not really living in reality this is play acting which is the essence of hypocrisy or duplicity so we're supposed to be single-minded now now as i said psalm 24 is the best example of it king david wrote this psalm so let's look at what it says he asked 
Who may ascend to the mountain of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy place? The one who has clean hands and a pure heart, who does not trust in an idol or swear by a false god. So David is saying, who can come into God's presence? Who is good enough? Who is able to go and be in God's presence in that holy place? He's saying the person who doesn't have sin in their lives. In other words, who has clean hands. A person who has a pure heart. A person who doesn't worship anything else. In other words, lift up their soul to another. Uh, a person who doesn't swear by any false god. He's talking about having a single-minded devotion to being in a relationship with God. Jesus picks up this same idea when he gives the great commandment. We see the great commandment recorded in the Gospels. I'm going to read it from the Gospel of Luke. He says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind. In other words, love God with all that you are. Single-minded devotion is that. Loving God with all that you are. Let me ask you this. Is your devotion to God single-minded? Or are there idols or lesser gods in your life? Let me, let me remind you that, that while the idols and gods of David's day look like the gods and philosophies of other religions, today there are those two, but there are also the idols of fortune and fame and of independent separation from God. So is your devotion to God single-minded if your devotion to God is single-minded it'll lead you to holiness the idea of being holy can be misconstrued with being holier than thou we're not talking about that attitude but what we are talking about is this that the pure in heart exhibit a single-minded devotion to God that stems from their internal cleansing created by following Jesus holiness is a prerequisite entering into God's presence for seeing God and the pure in heart pass that test the bottom line about holiness is this deceitfulness lies and moral filth cannot coexist with sincere devotion to Christ so being holy is seeking to be like God and Jesus tells a story and he makes clear what this looks like. In the Gospel of Matthew, he says, a tree is identified by its fruit. If a tree is good, its fruit will be good. If a tree is bad, its fruit will be bad. And he challenges the Pharisees that he's speaking to. He says, you brood of vipers, how could evil men like you speak what is good and right? For whatever is in your heart determines what you say. A good person produces good things from the treasury of a good heart, and an evil person produces evil things from the treasury of an evil heart. And I tell you this, you must give an account on the judgment day for every idle word you speak. The words you say will either acquit you or condemn you. Man, does that get your attention? That gets my attention. He says... Whatever is in your heart determines what comes out. 
And he says, the words that you say will either acquit you or condemn you. Now, for me, I understand this fully because when I came to trust Jesus Christ, I was a person who, who a lot of vile things came out of my mouth. I cussed, I swore, I said things that if I told you now would make me blush and maybe make you blush. And when I came to faith in Jesus Christ and trust him, he put the Holy Spirit in me. And I began to realize that the things I said couldn't come out of a heart that said, I love Jesus. And it wasn't about doing the right thing and not doing the wrong thing. Truly, what happened was, as I sought to live with a pure heart more and more, I realized I couldn't swear and tell Jesus I loved him. I couldn't do it. And, and it, by the power of the Holy Spirit, that just fell away from my life because I was pursuing a pure heart. Now listen, I, I, don't, have it, I don't have it mastered to figure it out, so I'm not saying that. But that's how God wants to work in us. That's how he wants to bear good fruit in our lives. Now, please understand, we don't pursue this holiness to be better than others. We do it because God calls us to be holy, and we know that our sin prevents us from entering into God's presence. So we have to deal with it. That's why Paul writes this. Make every effort to live in peace with everyone and to be holy. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. Paul understands, listen, if we don't live in peace with others, we're going to get into arguments. We're going to say things that we shouldn't say. We're going to get all worked up because that sin is inside us. So he says, live at peace with one another and seek to be holy like God. Seek to follow him. You see, God is holy and unholy things can't come into his presence. So we need to pursue holiness. Are you pursuing holiness? You know, a blunt message like this about living with a pure heart can be a real downer. You can come away from this feeling like you don't measure up. Because after all, who can live a totally pure in heart life? Nobody. None of us. But here's the amazing story of God. It's that he helps us live with a pure heart because God forgives those who ask God for forgiveness and God has sent his Holy Spirit to help us. We don't have to be pure in heart by our own power. Everyone who believes in Jesus has the Holy Spirit living in us to guide us, to correct us, even to condemn our behavior so we'll repent and turn back to God. And God promises us to give us the Holy Spirit to work in us. He, he made a promise that goes back to the Old Testament. Listen to these words that God spoke to Israel, and that we understand he speaks to us from the prophet Isaiah. He writes, For I will take you out of the nations, I will gather you from the, all the countries and bring you back into your own land. I will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your impurities and from all your idols. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from your heart of I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. He's done that. He's done that. He has kept that promise. He has brought us back to him. He has given 
us his spirit. He has given us a new heart. He has taken away that heart of stone and he has given us a heart of flesh so that we can believe in Jesus, so that we can follow his decrees and keep his commandments. We're not being good for good's sake. We're being good because we love God and we want to be in a relationship with him. And he's given us this power through the Holy Spirit and changed our hearts. God will clean us up from the sin in our lives. He will forgive us. He will remove from us the impurities, the sin, if we ask him to. He'll give us a new heart and a new spirit and he'll promise to guide us through all of this. He will empower us. You know, it's not news to any of us that the condition of the world that we live in and the culture of this world is is pretty bad. Now, look, I'm not talking even about uh, terrorism or wars or threats of nuclear war. In fact, just in our country over the past years, We see stuff like this. We see unchecked anger and hostility really in in every part of our culture putting us at odds with one another. We see blatant and latent racism and bias tearing our country apart. And and just in the past few weeks, we see this current sexual abuse scandal and and investigation, and I believe it's going to reveal uh, that this kind of abuse is rampant in every part of our culture. Our society is crumbling, and we have to ask ourselves, as followers of Jesus Christ, what are we going to do to bring light into this darkness? If we're pure in heart, how are we going to help diffuse the anger and hostility among people? If we're going to be pure in heart, what are we doing about our own racism and bringing racial reconciliation to our nation? If we're pure in heart, what are we doing to confront a culture that's looked the other way about sexual abuse? How do we begin? Let me make a suggestion. If I shake this bottle of water... water comes out and if I ask you why it comes out you're going to say well Clark it came out because you shook it that's part of the answer the other part of the answer is because there's water inside the bottle if we're going to be pure in heart we have to recognize that there's stuff inside us that causes us to be bitter and angry and hostile and sin against one another. Sometimes this world will shake us and we'll sin, but a lot of times we're gonna sin because sin's in us. It's part of our sin nature. When we see racism or if we feel like people from different races are getting a pass or something on either side of the racial divide. Sometimes we feel shaken by that and stuff spills out of that, but some of that, that's because of us, because bias and racism and in us, and because we haven't taken the time to listen to one another's story. Sin is in us. 
it spills out. This sex scandal, you know, you can, somebody might say, well, you know, I, I looked and one thing led to another. It's like, well, no, it was in you. And you let it out. As followers of Jesus Christ, we have to own that our sin nature dwells in each one of us and we need to confess our sins. We need to be vigilant about what's in us that wants to get out. We need to deal with it before God. We need to confess it. We need to confess it to to brothers, to brothers, sisters, to sisters and ask for them to pray for us and to be real about it so that we can move forward with pure hearts. Because sin is in us. And if we're not careful, it's going to spill out. I'm going to invite the worship team forward, but as I do, I want us to recognize in Scripture there was a person. There was a man who was said to have a heart after God. If you know who I'm talking about, his name was David. He became the king of Israel. But if you know anything about David, not only did he love God, he had sin inside of himself and he didn't deal with it and it came out. It came out in adultery. It came out in murder. It came out in all kinds of sinful acts. But here's what I appreciate about David. He owned it. He owned that there was sin in him. And, you know, he's accredited with writing many of the Psalms. Psalm 51 is, is a psalm that's really his prayer to God about the sin in him. I, I want to read just a, a couple of verses from that psalm. Psalm 51. This is, this is his prayer. He says... <coughs> Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love. According to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions. Wash away all my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is always before me. Cleanse me with hyssop and I will be clean. Wash me and I will be whiter than snow. Create in me a pure heart, O God and renew a steadfast spirit within me. David owned his sin. He took steps to deal with it so he could have a pure heart. When we turn to God and we ask for help to deal with our sins, to confess them, it could be the sin of anger, it could be the sin of racism, it could be the the sin of sexual harassment, whatever sins we have, when we take them to God and ask Him to give us a pure heart. He will do that. If we're going to begin to change the culture, it's got to start with us. We've got to let God work in us with the sin that's in us so it doesn't come spilling out. This morning, we're going to close with a time of prayer and it's going to move from a prayer that I'm going to kick off into some silence where you can pray and then we're going to move into a, a prayer that we're going to sing together it's, it's the words of Psalm 24 we're going to sing it together so I'm going to invite you to stand with me because uh, we're going to stand and pray you know and in scripture in the book of, of 2 Timothy 
Paul writes, he says that men and women should lift up holy hands to God. In other words, to say, God, yes, I want this. Yes, I surrender to you. So I'm going to invite you to take a position of surrender to God. To say, yes, God, I want this. Yes, God, work in me. To raise your hands and say, God, I want it. So let's bow our heads. Let's pray. Father, we confess to you that there's stuff in us. There's sin in our lives. And if we don't deal with it, Lord, it's going to come out. It's going to come out ugly. And it's going to hurt people. It's going to hurt us. And it's going to hurt you. So, Lord, we come to you and we ask that you would forgive us and give us a pure heart. Hear our prayers, Lord. Thank you for listening to our podcast. It is our sincere hope that it has blessed you. For more information, visit our website at www.valleybrook.cc.